If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland, a mysterious, all-powerful character, but a crusader for law. Hey everybody, welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal. And I'm joined today cool. by Josh Williamson. I'm sorry, I threw it to you. Like you knew what you were like, you knew what I was gonna do. Yeah, yeah. I always like coming on here and, and, and you know, you and I always like talking to you about comic book stuff. And I feel like sometimes, you know, this kind of thing is the best way to get some of the messaging out about DC or the stuff I'm working on. And then I also get to talk to you at the same time as doing it. So it's like the fun version of it. Right. So it's like, you know, a canned what do you call it? Like a canned uh interview or something? Yeah, yeah, I think that's how that works. I don't I don't know. I don't I didn't go to broadcasting school. I have no idea how it works. Uh like everyone in my con- in my wheelhouse, uh, I just went, Me too, and then just 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 bought stuff incrementally until it looks like I know what I'm doing. Um that's but awesome. uh yeah, yeah. But well thank you. Um I'm so excited because you have a bunch of things in the pipe. You got a thing these things finally coming out. Uh as of the recording today. Birthright forty nine came out. Oh yeah, yeah. We're I mean, uh, Andre is almost done drawing. He's like, it's crazy. We, we got to a point where like Monday, we were like, are we gonna have this go out on time? Like, right. are we actually gonna print on time? And then everything came in, and we're like, all right, we're racing to the finish. But yeah, we're almost there. You actually remind me of some stuff I have to do today. I have to write. Like, <laughs> I have to write a like all my stuff is done as far. I have to do a proofing of it before it goes to print. But um, in the last issue, and this one, the forty nine, the one that just came out. Uh, Sean Mackowitz, who was the uh, who is the editor on Birthright, he was the editor who brought it into Skybound. He's been the editor the whole time. Um, he wrote like a really nice like one page like goodbye letter in the back. Oh, cool! And he was like, "So now it's your turn." And I'm like, "Oh, oh no!" Like, <laughs> I had to write like a really nice like thing. I kind of have it figured out. Yesterday, I was thinking about it. after I read his, I'm like, "Okay, I kind of know what I want to write about, and 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 you know how kind of I'll say." But I always think about uh, David Lynch's whole thing. I think it was before, right? David Lynch is like, somebody was interviewing him and they were like, what is your most, um, they were talking about his movies and he was like, Eraserhead is my most personal movie. Right. And they're like, do you want to talk about that? Like, you know, <laughs> they, like, do you want to have Why? And he was like, no, the, the movie is me talking about the movie. Right. And I always think about that where like, I love talking about comics and, and, and doing all this stuff, but there are times where I'm like, when it comes to like getting really nitty gritty, sometimes I'm like, the book is here. So it's yeah. with fifty of this fifty issue run to like end it exactly how I wanted to end it and do this like emotional ending that I had planned from the beginning, and then be like, and then here's a one pager where I explain everything to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, or, or 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 undercut the emotional like punch. It'd be yeah, it's like reading the end of Preacher and then being like just a whole two page thing of Garth Ennis being like, so anyway, let me explain to you why this me- this book means something to me. Like we know. Well, Funny you said Preacher though, because Preacher actually opens the letter from Jesse. Yes. Oh, it ends with one. He does. It kind of wraps up. Like, it's interesting because, you know, a preacher that was also Garth Ennis, like, expressing his own thoughts on a lot of these ideas throughout the run, you know, and Mm -hmm. his experiences and stuff. And so that book kind of ends with almost him giving the audience, like, a letter of what he felt in a way. It's from Jesse. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it's like, it's Jesse DeTula, but it's still, like, him kind of explaining. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's deeply personal. It is. Yeah. It's still really good, though. But that's what. So it's funny. Like I'm writing. So with uh with Skybound, they're doing this thing called Skybound Hex, where it's yeah. going to be, uh yeah this anthology. Can, can you can you explain what exactly Skybound is? Because I think, and I, yes. I'm only asking not it's not just for me because I also have no idea, and I know my wife's explained it to me three times. And I'm still like clueless. But uh, I was in a comic book store the other day, and 
no one at the comic book store could explain what it was. And I think that there's a lot of like people going, so there's this thing, it, it's like a crossover, I don't know. And my wife, so my wife said it was an anthology. But please, what is Skybound yeah, X? And, anthology. And... So it's a, it's, a, it's a weekly anthology series that is showcasing all of the books that Skybound has done over the last ten years. Mm-hmm. So you have things like obviously Walking Dead, um, Extremity. You know Daniel Warren Johnson. Yeah. Also like Falcon, and you know there's um, there's a Manifest Destiny book in there. Obviously, yeah. Like, you know stuff that's other Kirkman stuff. I don't like ruin Kirkman's game, you know, so it's sure, like there's of course. on in there. But like one of them is that whole thing of like Rick Grimes two thousand, which was like a gag in Walking Dead. Yes. So that is like an actual story. Um which is really, really cool. So the story I'm doing is they came to me and they were like, we want you to do a they they asked me about this like I don't know like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. They were like, can you do a birthright story? And I was like, yeah, totally I'll do that. And but I'm like, that's really weird because it comes out the last, it comes out a month after the last is your birthright. Oh, no. So I was like, I've already had everything I have to say. Yeah. Like, and then this little additional thing. So I'm like, well, how, how, I was actually talking about this yesterday. Like, how deep should I get into it? You know, should I make it like a coda to the book? Um, is it something, you know, you have to read to get the whole experience? I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. So it's actually, uh, I did another book for Skybound years ago called Ghosted. Yeah, and so it's actually a birthright ghosted crossover. <laughs> properties meeting, and it is a letter. It's a letter from Mikey's brother. He's like writing. He it is kind of a coda, but not really. Like it's mostly just for fun. But it's him writing a letter to Mikey while he's in Terranos. Like he's on this little adventure and stuff. So, but then he ends up meeting one of the characters from Ghosted. Ghosted, and so that just becomes like a fun thing, and it's also an opportunity for. Andre to draw horror stuff a little bit. Yeah. Because we do fantasy and, you know, we do fantasy, the family stuff, but we, we haven't really done horror. And, and um, Andre's a really big fan of horror. Or actually, the next project we're going to work on is a horror thing. So yeah. it's like kind of a easing into that. Like the next, yeah, the next creator own book, book that Andre and I want to do will be a, yeah, it'll be like a horror thing. So kind of Oh, stuff. cool. But, but, you know, yeah. So basically, Skybound X is like an anthology, it's like a weekly. Thing, just kind of showcasing all of these books that Skybound has done over the last 10 years. Yeah, which is uh, considerable. And, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Like, they're all, I was talking about it yesterday because I had a question about my story. I had a, my story also kind of bumps into something else that Skybound does. And so I was like, is that all right? Like, are they cool with that? He was like, yeah, it's totally fine. And we were talking about it and he was just like, all the stories are really just fun. Some of them are definitely like, maybe more meaningful than others, you know, but sure. for the most the, the intent was just to have some fun with it. Sweet. Um, I know that uh, Skybound has been getting a ton of eyes as a result of the Invincible show. Um, yeah. I'm is... Okay, really I won't, happens, I won't spoil I it for you. But... <laughs> I, don't know the, I don't know the changes. Like, that's, that's true. I was just talking about this with them yesterday because we were talking about Invincible and, and uh, I haven't caught up on it yet. So I don't know all the... Ch- I just decided last night I was going to start over from the beginning. Skybound actually had a... Um, they had like a screening for it before it came out, like a week or two before it came out. And I got to watch it with that. It was uh, funny. They gave us like food and stuff. They food delivered to our houses so we could have dinner while we were watching it. That's awesome. Uh, but watching it like that was different because you could, I was also like, I was watching it on the TV in my office while I was talking to like James Tynan because he was also watching it. Right. But he was watching it in, you know, on the east side. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm like, you know, I think he lives in Brooklyn. I might be wrong. He, he'll correct me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, we were like chatting with each other while we were watching it. So it's like a different, and I was also kind of working because I'm on my computer. So I'm like, watching yeah, it's not, 
yeah, it's different than like sitting down with your wife for dinner watching a show as opposed to yeah screening with some friends. She was not that interested into it, and she started playing Animal Crossing on her Switch. <laughs> And I was like, that's fine, whatever she, you know, I'm going to watch this whole thing. But then she missed the whole ending. Oh, no. Like, she had her head down the whole ending. And I was just like, oh, man, did you see that? And she was like, what happened? <laughs> You're like, only the rest of the show. <laughs> only the most important part, because then the second episode starts and the dad is, like, laying. And she's like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, this is what happened. The dad did this. And she's like, why? And I'm like, oh, man. All right, oh, I'm explain God. Okay, rewind. <laughs> I have to explain the whole comic to her, basically. But right, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love working with Skybound. I have other projects with them in, in the pipeline, and I've worked with them for a while now. It's been like yeah. I've known them for before there was a Skybound. I've like right. you know, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, doing something like Birthright, getting to do fifty issues of a book, which is such a rare um, thing. No one, that, but like, yeah, it's also a fantasy book. Yeah, you know, like I remember back when I was starting out, one of the jokes I would hear from people was like, "Don't pitch your fifty issue fantasy story, like don't <laughs> don't do the fantasy thing." And then somehow that's what I ended up doing. Like, yeah, right, cool. yeah, and you and got in also, right right before the bubble, like right before you know, like you see all these D and D type books or all these like different uh, you know trend chasing fantasy type stories that have become kind of ubiquitous with the indie scene. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm not as much of a Dungeons and Dragons person as most people. Like, you look at someone like Jib Zub, who obviously that's like lifestyle for him, and he's yes. so embedded in it, you know? Yeah. That it's, and when I look at all that stuff, I'm always like, man, they know it. They know the Dungeons and Dragons stuff so well. For me, I was more interested in using that as a setting to tell this like really emotional story with these characters and also set pieces. Like, once, once I could see what Andre could do. Like once I knew all these crazy things that he would draw, he would kind of draw anything that I was right. like, "It's on now." Like, <laughs> we're gonna make you. This is gonna get nuts. Your like, world got I, bigger. Yeah, it got bigger because of that. Because you know, the first issue mostly takes place in like a police station. Sure. And then it's, there's little snippets of stuff. But once I started seeing the stuff that he enjoyed drawing, I was like, "All right, let's go. Let's start doing all kinds, all kinds of crazy stuff." Like he would take it as a challenge to draw. Like, because I'd be like, "Okay, here's a room." And it's this giant room, and it is full of artifacts from all these different like fantasy stories and all right. this stuff. I would, and there's a dragon there, and like I was just like sort of throwing stuff at him. <laughs> and then he would take it on and be like, "All right, I can do it." And then he would do research and find all this other fantasy stuff, and he would put it in there. And he just like he really, uh, he really go for it. So I love, I love working with those guys. Like Andres, yeah. really great. Yeah, but yeah, that came out today. Yeah, yeah, before, you know, that's right. Yeah. So one more uh, go. It's super one weird. No. Now, were you pressured for yourself? Because I know that, like, I'm sure that Skybender wasn't like, it's got to be 50. That you were like, I got to get it to 50. Because you see all these seminal runs of uh, creator-owned stories where they end on, like, 47 or 62. You know, and it's just, and, and is there, like, for, as, a, as a comic book nerd, for me, I'm always like, it couldn't have, it couldn't have rounded it out. It couldn't have been 100 issues. Yeah, could have been 60 like, issues. That ends on, like, what, 197. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. that close to the finish line? I know, but you know what? I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the idea of surprising people because yeah. I think that we struggle with in comics is surprising people. I think about this all the time, not just in terms of like, I don't know. I, I It's tough because I feel as though I, I have oh, two things with this. It's like sometimes, like I think surprising people is important and it, it's interesting. Like sometimes people announce a project and you're like, that makes sense. That's cool. Right. You know, you're like, but that's it. And then sometimes you're like, wow, that's awesome. I did not expect that. That sounds really cool. That's surprising. But, and yeah, so Kirkman cutting that short when he did, he didn't cut it short. He was like, I'm done. Yeah. And I think 
he looked at it because you could easily that that last issue of Walking Dead is like four issues worth of material. Yes. Realistically, look at because it's super big. He could have, if he wanted, stretched it out. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. He didn't want to stretch it out, and he wanted to be like, "This is a surprise to people." I'm, I, 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 I know it was anger. Some people were really angry about it. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really cool. I heard they're pretty funny. Like, I'll get some of the inside track on some stuff from them if I'm like able to like ever hang out with Kirkman. I'll hear a little bit of stuff that's coming, and and, and sometimes I'll find out about stuff ahead of time. Yeah, that one yeah. I did not know about until like the week before. No. And I was just like, man, that's some, that is brave. That's awesome. You yeah. Know, to, yeah. To, to say like, no, I'm doing it like this. But to answer your question, um, I always knew the beats I wanted to tell from the beginning. And I knew all the big, like I knew what each arc was about always. Right. Like there was little pieces here and there that kind of moved around. A couple characters kind of came out of nowhere and, and kind of became more important than they originally were intended to be, you know, where I, I found their voice and I was like, I like this character. I'm going to integrate them into the story and, and a couple things that moved around. But yeah, I always knew that issues 41 through 45 were like, Oh, here's the big, this is the fight. This is all about the fight. And then these issues are all about the epilogue. I think by the time we got to that, it was like, I could have maybe ended it at like 46, maybe. Yeah. You know? yeah. But but then I was like, I don't know, part of the thing they've done with this book is play around with a lot of the tropes. And so I wanted it to be those kinds of like epilogue tropes, right? Where it's like, you just get all the pieces. But also I wanted to leave that world and be like, I don't have to come back. Like there's, yeah. No, yeah. there's no reason to come back. I mean, there's definitely some stuff on the table, but it's written in a way that is like, no, I can end here. So I wanted to just touch on everything. And then with this last arc, this whole last arc is called epilogues because each issue is an epilogue. They're all standalone. So it's like, here's an epilogue for this character. Here's an epilogue for these characters. This, you know, and, yeah. And then 50 will be all about, um, Mikey. Like there's one last witch that we've had since the beginning. That was kind of like a scary witch when they were kids. It's still mm-hmm. alive. Last of it. And so we actually actually disappeared at the end of 40 and I on purpose, like never mentioned her again. Right. In, well, now where I'm like, oh, there's one left and he has to go find her. He has to go find the one that was like the scary witch when he was a kid. And that's the person he has to go up against last. But I've already done the big fight. Like when he went up against like the main villain lore, it was, you know, we did a whole issue of just splash pages. And then we get to this issue and it's not going to be a big fight. Like it's going to be much more of a like battle of the minds kind of thing about going up against this thing that you were afraid of when you were a kid. And that's the thing that he's confronting. That's really uh, cool. Yeah, it wraps up the whole thing, and then, you know, but I could have, it's, like, looking at it, I could have maybe just, you could probably jump from 45 to 50, maybe, but then you miss all this, like, emotional stuff, and you get, you know, it's, it isn't the same. Well, that's like part of the journey, like, you need to have all that stuff. Yeah. If you can get it. I mean, I got lucky, I think, I think early on, so, I I don't know how far we were into the book. It was 2015, so we were past year one. I think I had written 11 at this point. So we were, we were past the first year of the book and we were looking at the sales and we were also looking at the foreign sales. So we were looking at trades, like everything. We had enough data to be like, we could make it to 50. Right. Right. Like we, we were looking at everything. We were like, if it stays where it is, like on, on an actual like expectations chart, that's always the thing about comics. Like, I think it's funny when I look at all the, the analysis of sales and stuff and it's like the, the publishers, they factor in the idea that it's going to lose readers. You know, they, they factor that into the expectations of a series. They're never like taking off their hat going, what? How is this possible? Like, you, well, look at the drop off from one to two. 
there yeah. is always a possibility of a cliff. Like we talk about this a lot. Like sometimes books will just go like this, and I was like, you never know what's going to come. That's the thing. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. scary. That's when you're like alarmed. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't happen that often, but when it does, you're like, oh my god. So yeah. Uh, with birth probably really like, okay. If it stays on this path at these numbers and it does this, but also we had trades because once you get to a certain point with birthright, it's about the trades. Like people are coming in and buying, you know, like there's going to be 10 of them total. So like, I'm not going to get a new reader at 49. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, if anything, they're going to come in and they're like, that looks cool. And then here's the first trade for nine ninety nine. I'd rather start here and, and go through than spend two ninety nine. or it's not even know. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have for it. It's three ninety nine. So you're like, you know, I I'd rather work for the trade. So, um, you know, once we knew that, so Mackowitz and I were uh, Sean Mackowitz, the editor, him and I were talking, and I was like, I have an idea of what we should do. We should go to Disneyland, <laughs> and and we're gonna while we're waiting in line at Disneyland, we're gonna talk about all fifty issues while we're waiting in line for rides, because that's what you do. Like you just stand there talking anyway, right? Exactly. Like instead of him and I going. And sitting in, a, in a, a room with a whiteboard for a day and mapping it out. Let's go do something different. Let's go have some fun. You have lunch at Disneyland and just go on a bunch of rides and, you know, bullshit about the book. So anybody who is in line for a haunted mansion. Heard in everything. <laughs> November of 2015. Yeah, they heard the whole thing. <laughs> like, they know the ending. They know the ending because we were talking about the whole like the the whole last issue. I laid the whole thing out for him there. Of, like this is where everything is going. So they heard the whole thing, but we basically mapped it all out, and it hasn't really changed that much from that. Aside from like I said, there was a couple characters that kind of came and they went. That elevated, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm more interested in this and this. I did run out of room one time. Like there was a story I was doing that was about my Q learning magic, and I just like I just messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Those things where you're like. Because I would always try to dedicate flashbacks to certain arcs. I would make yeah. it so the main thrusts would continue, but the flashbacks wouldn't. And so I, I just messed up one time. We had to continue into the next one. Mm-hmm. So it's, if you're reading in trade, you're like, that's really weird. The flashbacks, if you read them all in trade, you're like, the flashbacks usually kind of like cap off of a certain time period or a certain point is made. And then on one of them, it doesn't until the next issue being the next trade. It like threw me off for a couple issues. So, mm-hmm. you know, but we, for the most part, I was able to stick to the plan. And, and nice, then make nice. you know this big, but it's interesting with that plus Flash plus a lot of other stuff I've done. I'm always doing these like long runs because even Nailbiter was 30 issues plus the 10 for Nailbiter Returns. Right. I don't know if I would ever do anything this long again. It's like with creator own books, I I don't know. I feel like I want I'm more interested in doing these like shorter things. But even the shorter, I mean like six issues. I mean even though I'm doing some stuff that is shorter, like six issues, and I'm doing some stuff for DC that's shorter. I can't imagine myself staying on something for longer than two years at this point, like 25 yeah, issues yeah. worth of material. It's just, I feel like after doing the hundred issues of the flash, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I could do it. Again. <laughs> Especially cause that was double ship. It's such a, you know, every week, every two weeks for five years, I was like, oh, here's yeah, a flash yeah. script over and over again. Yeah. And that's <laughs> not something that you get used to. You're just kind of like, okay, I did this. I, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Well, it's weird now because it's like, you know, I'm writing so many books for DC. It's like, yeah. you know, we've talked about before that it's like I'm writing five books for them. Plus, I have other things in the pipeline for beyond that. There's like three other things that we're talking about when I finish these five. And it's like I've already finished one of the five. Like I've already finished it. And Infinite Frontier is almost finished being written. It'll be finished written this month. 
And then it's like with Robin, obviously it's going on. And then there's two other things that haven't announced yet that are still going. And then future state Gotham on co-writing. So it's a little different. It's like a good friend of mine that I've known for a while. And he, um, he's doing most of the heavy lifting on it. Mm. And then it's like, but then I have like three other projects that are all short that I want to do. Ah, One has okay. been in development for years and it just didn't work out because of changes at DC that now they were like, like recently we were talking and uh, I'm renewing my, uh, my exclusive with them. And so the process of renewing the exclusive, it was like, you know, so like, you know, sign on for a few more years. I was like, well, here are the projects I want to do. And they were like, cool, all of them. Let's just, just, just keep working. <laughs> just go, just go. Um, but yeah, like I have all these plans I want to do, but all of them are shorter. Like not really, you know, they're not all like, oh, I'm going to say this book for a hundred issues. I have this huge plan. And it's like, I very much know where I want to leave certain things, but a lot of them outside of, outside of Robin, I'm like looking at my wall outside of Robin and this other book, the rest of them are all minis. Those are the only oh. two that are coming. Oh, I guess, well, I guess I got the future states ongoing. I heard that. Yeah, I heard about Future State ongoing and uh, or Future State Gotham, and uh, that's with Dennis Culver. I'd like to talk about that a yeah. little bit. Yeah, good. That's good. Okay, so uh, I was talking to my uh, associate Benny, the comic story about it. He saw it. He was like, "This has got to be something else. Like this, this was this was something else." And then we turned it into this. Was Future State uh, Gotham like part of the original Future State Initiative? And it's like, well. We 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 did. It wasn't done. Let's just put it out now. Like, why Future State now? As a like, Future State is over. Why now? Uh, I don't want to answer why now, but I mean, mm. you know, Future State was like a hit. You know, it sold really well for them, and I that's think true. It, you know, it did it did better than was expected because it wasn't as many. You know, it's like me and and Bendis are probably the people that have been on it that have been on books longer. Someone's gonna correct me and, and mention other creators, <laughs> but it's like. <laughs> You know, in terms of been around for a while, it's like, you know, there's some of the really great creators like Mariko that was on there. And, yes. you know, there, there are definitely people in there that are really talented. Um, when I wrote Red Hood, the two-parter, that was kind of a, like, last year I was just, like, a crazy workaholic because I wasn't going anywhere. So I was, like, right. taking on everything. And they, they were like, hey, do you want to do any future state? And originally, as you and I talked about, like, my plan was to leave D.C. after Flash. Like, I was I was ready to, to go. Exactly. And um they were like well there's some future save stuff coming and i was like well you know we, we kept going back and forth on it and and one of the editors this was like almost a year ago so it was really really early into the future state plans he was like do you want to do a two-part red hood thing and i was like yeah but only if you kind of let me do it the way i want to do it which is just super different like i don't want to do something like i normally would do i just want to do something very different and and you know like in the first issue of the red hood stuff it's like Jason doesn't talk for the first like 14 pages of the book. It's right. everyone else being silent. And I'm like, I want to do something like that. I just want to do a very specific thing. And I turned it in. They really liked it. They had a couple notes and I went in and made some changes and stuff. And once we started seeing the art come in and the colors coming in, the editor was like, Hey, would you want to continue this? And I was like, what do you mean? I thought future state was two months. And he was like, well, we're talking about different things that could continue. This is one of them. Would you want to just keep doing just keep on doing red hood like just keep going from here in that in that and i was like i can't like i don't <laughs> have the time. like i looked at my schedule and i was just like i don't have it you know and and then i was like well what if i co-write it wrote it with someone i could i could make that work because if someone was able to do a lot of the heavy lifting and i was able to do like a specific part of it i, I could maybe make that work and it was crazy at the time like 
I was actually less busy then when I said that than I <laughs> I was doing much less then. I was like, yeah, I could do that. That'd be fun to do. And, and it's uh, Dennis Culver is like a friend of mine, like somebody I talk to every day. So I'm like, all right. Him and I talk about comics every day anyway. Let's just throw in trying to write a book in the middle of it. Exactly. Be um, and so I pitched them that. Uh, and they were like, yeah, let's do that. They had, they had wanted to work with Dennis for a while and, and they knew him. So they were like, all right, we can we can make this work. And so we just started working on it. Like we we knew it was going to be this huge state cop and book. That was the thing. It, the only thing that kind of changed was I was like, well, is it just going to be Jason or is it going to be everybody? Is it going to be Red Hood? And they were like, well, no, we want you to do Gotham. And I'm like, well, that means I need everybody. Right. That means I got to have everybody. Like it has to be every piece of future state Gotham kind of moving forward all to the point of view of, of Jason and and you'll see as it goes, we haven't announced it yet, but like issue four um, is going to be a stand, not a standalone issue. Like, I won't even call it an interlude. It, it's it's an example of how the book is not just about Jason. Like it's right. going to have a thing where the story is going to splinter off for a moment and you're going to see like two characters that are also involved in Future State kind of have like a little bit of a lack of a better phrase interlude before we come back around with issue five. But it was done to kind of show you that, like, this isn't just Jason's story. It's right. about Batman. It's about Harley. It's about, you know, Nightwing and Tim and everybody in Duke. Like, you know, and the Batgirls. Like, let's just have it all in here. So we're just trying to find ways of showing you that it's more than just Jason's story. It's more than just a continuation of that. Right. Uh, but no, it was not something we threw together. <laughs> okay. I mean... I <laughs> I don't mean to put, put it that way. It's more to, like no, no. Dude, I love. I think this stuff is so fascinating to me right now. Of of how you know, like it is not my job to run DC Comics, right? and <laughs> I'm not like, and so, but I'm also not like a marketing manager or anything like that. Like my job is to write comics, and I, I try to promote myself as best as I can. Yeah. But I do recognize that like there's a lot of uh, stuff out there that is like little bits of misinformation people speculating and trying to figure out the math of why certain things are happening. And that's the thing. It's, yeah. It's fascinating to watch sometimes. Sometimes you're like, Oh no, no, that's not what's happening. Like I saw somebody this week posted this thing of like um, some website posted a thing of like, uh, we're going to turn Roy Harper into a villain. That was their <laughs> headline. They're like Roy Harper is the next villain. And I oh. wanted to beat them with just a like, no, just a gift of somebody being like, no, 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 that's not yeah, It's not going to happen. Not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it was one of those things where like, sometimes you see that stuff and you're just like, I don't even know how to respond to that because I don't want to like spoil stuff at the same time, but I, I don't have time to like answer everything that's incorrect on the internet. Could you imagine? Right. Oh, but, no, exactly. Even even our little corner of the internet where it's just about comics, the, you, you could get you could get swallowed up, especially if you normalize that kind of behavior, because then they'll some, come to expect it. Yeah, because, I mean, that's why I don't really, like, I mean... Engage, to, like... I don't engage that often, but mostly on time. Right. Like, I think when I've talked about this before is that, like, I usually have all... Everything's blocked on my computer from certain hours of the day, so I can't see anything... There are times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to focus. The next eight hours, I'm just going to write. So everything's too <laughs> out. The only thing that I leave open are my email and then, like, my chat. So I can hear from, like, James or Dennis or other writers or other editors at DC, like, so Slack, so I can talk to them if I need to. All that stuff is open. Right. And every once in a while, someone will send me screen grabs of something somebody said on Twitter. And I'm like, that defeats the purpose, dude. Like, I'm, I'm trying to not be distracted, you know? Right. Um, but, you know, yeah, no, we didn't, uh, it was, it was something we talked about of being like, hey, let's try this. And so I think, um, 
once the numbers started coming in for future state they were like let's green light this let's go ahead and do it and we started writing and just started hit the ground running and, and uh making this book something different i mean that's one of the things i like about dc right now you can kind of see this if you start looking at some of the books that are coming out now and some of the they are trying stuff and they're doing different things there is some experiments like the fact that gotham is black and white you know it's like that was a choice that was made by editorial he was like i really want to do this as a black and white thing here's what we're going to do and we started talking about it a lot and i was like let's go let's do it let's do like a grayscale book um yeah yeah but they're they're open right now like looking at some of the stuff that's coming from dc it's cool to see there's just some stuff in there that is like a little bit uh experimental and just trying different stuff because it's like i don't know you did a point where like i've seen that like some of right. things in the past you're like that's just continuing something I've already seen. It's cool to just try something different and see what lands and see what doesn't. There's some books dude, that are coming that are like, I haven't man, seen that. <laughs> There's some stuff that like, uh, people like a lot of us writers and like artists and stuff will kind of, um, we pass around art that's coming in to kind of like haze each other. You know? <laughs> like sometimes I'll show stuff to Scott or like yesterday, James was showing me something that you're just like, Oh, Oh my god, it's so cool! And then it, it like it it does it challenges you. It makes you be like, well, I can beat that. Like I can right. And you know, Scott will send us stuff from his image books, and like I'll show him stuff from Robin, and then like Tom King will text me some stuff from books he's working on that haven't announced yet. And I'm like, oh really? I'll send him stuff that I have that I'm working on. Be like, this this stuff is cool. Uh, but yeah, there's some stuff coming that I think we'll be surprised by. But I think that's what we were talking about before. Like it's cool to kind of try something different and 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 show just different stuff and, and, and really, you know, make DC exciting. you like, you, you don't, you can't be super predictable. I think we talked about that before. It's like, it's nice that it isn't super predictable right now. At least Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and the part of the distinction of doing that is uh, understanding. I think that unpredictability is not the same as uh, not being steady. You know, like people look at, a shakeup and they think it means that because it's not familiar, it must be falling apart. You know, it's why like old people think the world is in, or you know what I mean? Like why old people think that the world is ending because the young people are coming in and why like, you know, you see your favorite restaurants turn into something else and you assume it's going to fail. And it's like, just because it's different doesn't mean it's necessarily an indicative of like a failure or of, yeah. of a problem, systemic is, issues. Yeah. This is something I think about a lot of like having to take myself out of the equation sometimes. Cause I, mm. I you know, it's like i'm very opinionated like i right. think uh, annoyingly so sometimes to comic book publishers because <laughs> i definitely will email or text or raise my hand and and be like this is what i'm thinking and and and, and sometimes i can be wrong you know i can be wrong about something and, and i try to take myself out of it a little bit take a step back and look at it and be like clearly this thing is working or has worked like right and you know, even be for me but it is clearly for someone it is working. And I think that's something with DC is that like DC obviously went through a big change this year. There's no like hiding that. It's not a secret, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of changes and, uh, but the people behind the scenes are working really, really hard to make cool books and just trying something different. And sometimes that is going to look unrecognizable time, but even then not really. I mean, yeah. the books are still coming out monthly. There's still a bunch of stuff that's coming. Superheroes are fighting bad guys. You know, it's like, it isn't that different, but there are some changes. There have been some turnover in our industry. And I think sometimes people are just, I don't know. It's interesting. It is an interesting thing to kind of watch at times, but with, with DC, it's, it's, 
I think there's a lot of opportunity. I and mean, that's really what Infinite Frontier became about. You know, it was like we talked before, it was like this idea of starting a new chapter and opportunities and, and possibilities were endless and you could do things you couldn't do before. I mean, I think you and I maybe talked about this on Flash that it was like when I was wrapping up my Flash run, those last two issues plus Speed Metal, man, I was so nervous because I kept waiting for someone to come in and be like, no, you can't do that. That's right. Yeah. You know? And then they let me do it. And, and, and I think there's a lot of stuff they wouldn't have been able to do before that we're able to do now. And, and, and but then also people are just trying different stuff. Like it does feel, I don't know. It's like the, you know, DC kind of had this plan, right? They had a plan. Yep. And then plan changed. And then you look at the, then what happens is after that, they had an opportunity to be like, all right, cool. What do you want to do? You know, to creators, editors, like everybody was like, what do you guys want to do? What is yeah. something different to try? And it's like, all right, cool. Let's try something cool. Let's introduce some new characters. Let's, let's mix it up a little bit. And that's kind of where we're at. And it's really exciting. I definitely think it's going to take a minute to get there in some places, but there's so much cool stuff coming. I don't know. I, I, I'm really excited whenever I see the, the new projects coming with like the back group, we do a monthly call with all the writers and, and uh, it's a lot of writers with a lot of bad books, but we have a yeah. lot of, you know, it's, it's like my screen is filled with people. Um, and we all talk about the stuff that's coming, the stuff we're working on. And it's a lot of fun. Like everyone's throwing ideas back and forth and just kind of, you know, the connective tissue of it. And then, you know, I talk to the other writers like all the time. Like I talk to Ram V about once a week about stuff that he's working on and things that he's doing next year. And then I kind of fill him in on like my plans for the next 18 months, like all the event stuff that I'm working on. So I'm like, here's all the stuff I'm doing and, and then get his feedback on it too. Like that's, I talk to James, like I said, I talk to James Hyam every day about a lot of this yeah. stuff. We know each other's plans pretty well, but it's cool. Like we'll go and I'll, I'll talk to Tom Taylor. We'll DM each other and stuff. Like he sent me the ending to his Superman number one. Oh, uh, cool. So we already talked about, it, but I read the ending of it and I was like, man, that's perfect. You know? So it's, it is cool. We get to kind of share all this stuff around and then try to make different stuff. Like I think some of the books that I'm working on, I think will really surprise people. I don't know. I wanted to, I didn't want to do the expected. We talked about it before. I didn't want to go and do like just another superhero book and, and then follow this kind of format of why I, I'm like, I did that. I had a hundred issues of it. Let's yeah. hundred issues of this other character, uh, fan favorite, yeah. beloved, you know? Yeah. But I would say almost everything I'm writing, unless it specifically takes place in a different universe, it's all connected in some way. Like right. all the deep stuff is very connected. You know, if I'm doing there's there's a couple projects, obviously, like well, you'll see. There's a couple projects that are kind of the side, but for the most part, it's all connected in some way. It'll take some time. I'm, I'm I, this is one thing I think is really interesting about DC is that if you're really paying attention to like all the books, there are weird connections, you know, not just in the bat books, but all the books have these weird little snippets of connections and you're going to start to see them come together like later in the fall and then into the next year, you'll start to see. And I mean, like, I don't know how caught up you are on stuff, but it's like this week was the, the DC festival of heroes special. Yeah. Uh, in there, they revealed, do you know about this? this is this a spoiler for you? I, it, I haven't read it yet. Uh, it, it, as of the recording of this, it came out yesterday, but uh yeah, no, I'm I'm cool. I'm down. <laughs> I'm hip. Tell me. They revealed that uh, Roy Harper's daughter is still alive in 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 that. Gotcha. And Roy, Infinite Frontier, and it's like you know, Ram and I talked ahead of time, and I talked with the editorial ahead of time. So we these things all are connected. Like you're gonna start seeing how these things play out over time, and and you're gonna start. I think especially with the Green Arrow family, because like Connor is in Robin. Yeah. Areas in in um, Justice League, but she's also in something else later in the year, and it's mm -hmm. like 
you know, you're going to start seeing all these things sort of, you know, and like, line Barry, up. yeah, Barry's leaving the flashbook to go to Infinite Frontier and then what he's doing there will impact like everything later. But, you know, it's definitely kind of uh, this tapestry we're building in DC, starting with, starting with Future State, starting with Infinite Frontier and then going into next year. Like that stuff is fun to me. Like when I was a kid, if I was reading a comic and I was like, oh man, they just referenced this comic, like another comic. That stuff yeah. was always really fun. So I, I'm, uh, I think that's going to be really exciting to see yeah i i think that's exactly what people who love dc are looking for and uh what you you know it's it's what you want from an interconnected universe uh is reference is references that build towards something but don't take away from the main story um and you got a lot of that uh going on which is fantastic uh let's talk i guess about robin because robin debuted and it is i i feel like there's no way robin isn't leading towards slash referencing other things because of the debut of new characters and of course which characters you chose to put on the island yeah and then what characters i chose not to exactly you know and you'll see like there's other stuff there's other stuff brewing involving Mm -hmm. robin and sort of what his place is going to be next year and like what's going on with him and then eventually you'll see there's another book that i'm writing that is it's gonna run parallel like gotcha like and so they're going to run parallel with each other, and you're going to see like I'm I'm curious what we're going to be like. Oh, those two things are going to collide at some point. Like Robin <laughs> and book are going to collide at some point. They're going to. I mean, once the other book comes out, there, there's going to be like a prelude, and then when the other book actually hits, it's super obvious. <laughs> like it's like I, I pretty much am like, look, listen, this is going to happen. Like you'll you'll right. see. But uh, yeah, with Robin, I I was very selective of the characters we use, which character we didn't use for reasons you know for for things that'll play out over time and then and then at the same time you know like it's no secret like it's mortal Kombat, and yeah. being in all these characters in a mortal Kombat setting was, was i don't know man i was trying to have some fun with it like i wanted to make a book like talking with gleb about this a bit is that i really wanted to make a book that i would have enjoyed when i was like 13 or when i was a kid mm-hmm. and made this like fun fighting book and but also pace it really differently, like pace it a little bit more like a manga. And then when I started talking to Gleb a bunch a couple of years ago, actually, uh, before he was going to do Robin, he was still doing Angel. At Boom, we started talking when Angel number one came out. I just messaged him. I was like, yo, your stuff is dope. Like, we should do something. And um, I started talking with him. We both have a lot of the same like tastes in comics. And we have a lot of things in common what we liked. And so we started talking a lot about cliffhanger comics. So it was like, Battle Chasers and Danger Girl and uh, Crimson specifically with Roberto Ramos and um, blank- oh Steampunk specifically oh, right. Steampunk with Chris Pacello. like he so he and I we started talking about all of that stuff a lot and we were like we wanted to look like that even with the lettering like we sent copies of that stuff to Troy to letter it to be like I want it like this dude like make sometimes the words just big for no reason. Just like, have, <laughs> like do more than a bold, like make it pop and all this stuff. And so we, we really went in there to try to make something that, yeah, like I would have enjoyed when I was like a 13 year old kid. That's really what I was, I was aiming to do. And then, you know, and then just have some, some cool fight scenes, some blood and guts, some, uh, yeah. just, just have some fun with it and tell this cool story about Damien and kind of take him on a little bit of a, an emotional journey. Like to me, every issue is about him learning something. Right. So it's, in some way or form and, and having to kind of come to some terms with some things and then just grow as a character. Like I really want to get him to a different place and, and do things differently. There's a scene in issue four where he's talking, he essentially says that to Raish, like him and Raish are talking about it. And he's kind of like, 
I think we can do something different. Like, I think there's a different mm-hmm. way of doing stuff that you want to do. And um, that's really spoilerly, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> totally. <clears throat> no. I'm just thrilled we're going to see Rage. Oh, um, dude. Yeah, the race issue is dope. Because, like, Gleb actually isn't drawing that one. He took a month off to do, to catch up. I wanted to make sure Gleb drew as many as he could. Right. And then the thing is, because I'm a crazy person, the first arc is like eight issues long. So <laughs> uh, it became like, oh, at some point he has to take a break. And I was like, well, four is an issue that spotlights race. Let's take a break there. Five is about um, all of the Robins. So I was like, I, he has to draw that one. Right. right? So four is about race and it becomes this kind of uh, almost standalone. It isn't standalone at all because it's very much involved in the tapestry. Sure. But most of it is Damien and Rachel go on a beach talking to each other for all okay. this shit. Uh, there is, <laughs> it actually has, I think, probably the most brutal scene we have in the book in terms of the fights is Respawn. Respawn kills somebody in that issue. He kills two people, actually, in that issue. And when he kills one of them, it's like, I don't know. I was surprised we got it through. Like, <laughs> I was surprised, like... It was when I got a uh, an email from from DC, and uh, you know the book is still it's still PG thirteen like right. it's not it's eighteen plus right so it's like I have to be or thirteen I think it's called thirteen plus yeah so it's not R so I have to be careful with the amount of like violence I show and I me and Gleb talk about this a lot like we're always doing tricks to try to like get away with it you know sure like, silhouette or yeah yeah silhouette whatever but uh, an issue four there are two deaths in four both from respawn and when the script came back with notes um the notes are usually are really pretty light on this book i think it all was on the same page but one of the notes was like you cannot do that like one <laughs> thing you cannot do it and it was like page 12 or something you cannot do that and i thought it was page 10 like i got oh. and i was like oh haha like yeah you're right i was never gonna get away with that they weren't even talking about the thing i thought it was they were talking about something <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, that makes sense too. We just silhouette that. But the other thing, I was like, but I can keep this, right? Like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, oh, all right, yes, (laughs) yeah. You almost shot yourself in the foot. Don't draw attention to it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I I mean, who knows? Nothing's gonna print yet. I might get a call. Mm. We've gotten, Mm. we've gotten like, how do I put this? We've gotten like an email on every issue, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) But have you considered making the blood black? I mean, we do that sometimes. Is that still a thing people do? Because I know that was like, that's infamous from the Death of Superman run where it was just like, ah, too much blood, make it black. No, you can still do that. Yeah. Especially if it gets a little excessive. Like, he's like, my impulse is excessive. Like, my impulse is like, go for it every yeah. time. And then sometimes they're just like, Mm-mm, no, mm-hmm. that, that, you're hitting that that line. Can you make it black? But actually, that doesn't happen very often. That hasn't mm-hmm. happened. It's made darker a little bit. It hasn't happened that often. Right. Uh, but yeah, I love writing this book too. It's it's he's like the most fun I've had at DC. I think I told you that before. It's just like yeah. so much fun to write this book and Damien and, and the the character. I'm actually writing an issue this week. Um, that uh, I don't know. Like it's because I'm writing the end of the first arc now. It's like it's that whole thing has been planned in my head the whole time. You know, yeah. so it's. It's uh, it's interesting getting there, writing some of these scenes, and getting to do some of this stuff. I mean, issue seven, I think issue seven has like almost a ten-page-long fight scene in the middle of the issue. <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, like, where else are you gonna get to do stuff like that? Like, that's, that's probably right. the quest of like, well, the first arc is gonna be longer, you know, because it's like, I want to make it so that when we actually get around to the actual tournament and it starts to really roll, that I can let some of those fights, the fights that you really want to see. Yeah, and you really want to like those ones are gonna go at it, and like I want it to breathe, and like let them go at it. 
then like, let them have fun for 10 pages and just be like, I mean, I'm not going to do, there was a thing when I first started at DC, there was a, uh, I was, when I first started at DC, they sent me this script because I had to reference something that hadn't come okay. out yet. They're like, here's the script. And I get the script and I'm like, the first half is missing. <laughs> it, starts on issue, it starts on page 11. And they're like, no, it's all there. I was like, that's weird. So I go back and I look. And I find at the very beginning of the page, it says pages one through 10, like character fights a monster. <laughs> it fights a robot. It was a robot. Oh. And I was like, what? And that's, what, that's how sometimes plot plot first scripts, which yep. I don't do, I do full, uh, plot first scripts sometimes are like that. And I think if you know that artist really well, you can do that. You can just be like, here, they, they fight a robot for five pages, go for it. But it was, it was like one through 10. Yeah. Oh, like, robot. And so I, when that comic came out, I found it. I'm like, bye. Yep. They fought a they robot. For yeah. Pages. It was awesome. <laughs> and it was awesome. Well, it was worth it. So sometimes it's funny, like when I write for artists, um, it depends. Like there's a scene in issue three that um, I couldn't figure out. I wanted Damien to do something cool, but like the Damien version of it, like he's trying to show off, he's trying to show off. And I was trying to come up with something that was like, how do I take this one version of something that's a cliche version of it? And then like Damien it up. Yeah. So I asked Gleb, I'm like, hey, listen, this is what the scene is. This is I'm thinking about doing what do you think? And he's like, okay, let me think about it. And then like five minutes later, he's like, oh, he would do this. This is what he would do. And I'm like, oh man, that's great. So when I wrote that scene at the very beginning, it's a two page, two page scene. At the very beginning of this, of the page, I just wrote like Gleb, this is what we talked about. Like this is, this is the it, but I still broke it down. I still wrote it, but I was sure. like, this is, this is what we talked about. So he knows it when he goes into it, he probably had an idea in his head of what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. but having us both there as like a team, like I'm giving him all the information I have and then he can run with it. Yeah. Uh, but I think there are sometimes like, you know, okay, so from Birthright, Andre loves werewolves. Like he was obsessed with werewolves. And so uh he was always on me about like one time we went on this really, we went on a really long walk in New York. Like we walked from our hotel all the way to the convention center. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me all these ideas for werewolf stories. He's like, I really <laughs> about werewolves. And I was like, dude, I promise you I'll give you werewolves to draw. I will figure it out. Yeah. And so at one point, uh, we did put werewolves in the book. It became like an important plot point. And uh, one character had to transform into a werewolf. And so for that, that was a moment where I was like, hey, dude, like, just, just, yeah, just Go draw nice. a werewolf transformation. You know, I don't have to break it down by panels or give you super details. And so he drew a whole page of a werewolf transformation because he, like, knew it. And I think if you have that kind of relationship with an artist, you can kind of talk with them. But in most cases, they might already know it's coming. Like, like right. I was saying, you know, it's like Howard Porter and I have worked with each other a lot the last couple of years and we're working on another project and the way that one works, I usually talk to him about it beforehand and then I give him the script. He reads it, he calls me, we talk about it again and then he starts drawing. Gotcha. So it's like, I think that way you can kind of bounce around and then he gives me the roughs and then we talk about it again. Um, cool. The book we're doing next together, he uh, he gave a bunch of roughs the other day. It was so funny. He like, Turned a bunch of roughs in, and then like a day later, he redrew all of them because I didn't answer the email because I missed it. And I was like, "Stop, stop, stop! <laughs> this looks awesome." So then on Monday morning, he gave us all the roughs of the whole issue, and I read it, and I was like, "Dude, I got nothing." Right. I was like, was "Great, I had no notes." And he was like, "What? No, you always have notes." And I'm like, "No, I don't. <laughs> Look right now. Boom, done. Like you're yeah. good." Go. Um, but it's one of those things where it's uh, 
a really complicated issue or like we're doing something tricky with it. So it makes it even more complicated and mm-hmm. you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Robin, man, I love, I love this work on this book and I'm, I'm glad people liked issue one. Like it seemed like it had a pretty good response. And I think, I think people, so too. Yeah. Like, I didn't like we were trying to make mortal combat. Like, I don't think it's a secret again. Like it's obvious, but I think that can be fun. I don't know. We wanted to make a fun book. That was my, yeah, goal. it's so harmless. And yet also integral, like, how you can tell like when uh when a family is a, a, of of characters is as expansive as the bat family you know like when a you know when someone's like kind of like driving the boat uh and for that character or that universe you can tell like who their preferences are who they like the most and who what characters either they don't know where very well or they don't regard or care about and they kind of go by the wayside or like you know at best they they are forgotten at worst they are pants mm-hmm. with with and and with damien i find cuz i'm not the world's biggest damien fan but uh, i came around thanks to you and uh, tomasi like redeeming him for me in terms of super sons and in terms of the series which is just cool like and and genuinely fun and because of the journey he's been on it's like oh it's he's a character now like i remember when morrison invented uh damien and mm-hmm. i was just like oh no you've ruined everything because when you create a character they never leave yeah like that's it like you once you open that box you can't close it again and with damien when you give batman a biological son you've changed robins irrevocably forever oh yeah and he's been robin for like at least longer than jason was robin yeah for sure yeah i mean not longer than tim i mean because tim was going from like you know what 91 91 to to the to to the reboot (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you're talking like you could you could arguably say 20 years. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, Damien hasn't hit that yet, and and I don't. But yeah, you're right. Like Damien is, I I, I liked him from day one. I thought that was yeah. an interesting thing. Like like you know that that Grant went for it. Yeah. Um, and, and so I've always liked, I've always liked Damien. Like, oh yeah. I just, oh, I didn't. I don't want to. I was I was going. So I didn't want to just say like Damien sucks. Uh, your <laughs> rebuttal, but more just like. Uh, was it inter- was how was it going like cuz you're you're driving the Damien boat right like that's it like there was it kind of like well like everyone else in the bad family going well i don't really have plans for Damien just put him on an island like go for it like take him and, and run with him cuz he yeah, can't he me. can't I, be anywhere else i wanted to put him on the island i i know i remember him. that was your pitch yeah like i wanted to get him away from everybody um you know james had this huge plan planned out and i don't know if he really had a I don't know if James had a plan for Damien, but you know how James is, is that like, if DC was like, you could have Damien, he'd figure it out. Like, yes. He would, you know, and, but James and I, he had only been writing Batman a little bit. Uh, when, when DC approached me, it was like, well, do you want to do Robin? And I was like, yes. Like, and they, I think thought I was going to be like, nah, you know, cause it's just Robin. It isn't like one of your books, but I'm like, sure. No, I want to do something really cool with, him you know i i got i got ideas i love that character i've wanted to write him for 10 years i could do that and right well basically my whole pitch was about that it was like get him away from everything for a little bit and let me just yeah. do a story over here and you know it's like i think a lot of what tomasi did and with super sons and with teen titans and everything it's like there was so much continuity there was so much out there and it's all good stuff i mean especially the stuff tomasi was doing i think obviously in super sons but there was so much continuity that I was like, I need to get him away and just work yes. on just him by himself because he was so embedded with other groups. Right. You know, 
was with John or it was with Bat Family or it was Teen Titans. And it was like, I need to find time to show him by himself over here and like yeah. learn about him and kind of let him. But I guess he'll use all that stuff because, like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm a booty junkie and I love the DC universe. I'm going to mm-hmm. try and still use whatever I can. Um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of get him just over here and run with him. And I, and I think it went well. Like, it did. I feel like the response was pretty positive. It sold really, really well. Um, you know, I think it was, it was like, I mean, it's, it was, uh, not surprising. I think to people how well it sold, but it <laughs> definitely was like, Oh crap. That's a hit. Like, right. It's a good hit. I mean, for me personally, it was good timing because I was in the middle of renegotiating my contract, but you know, it was like, <laughs> it did really, really, uh, it did really, really well. And yeah. so because it did so well. Uh, I think people were like, Oh crap. Like that's, that's a, that's a big number. That's very good. Yes. You know, so they were like, all right, let's, you know, that was like, okay, cool. And so like, we have all these plans already for Damien and all this stuff we're doing. Like there's this multi stages to get us to some of the stuff we're doing next year. And Damien is a part of that equation. Mm-hmm. So. But there's um, great opportunity. Like that's the thing is that, uh, you know, the character has an opportunity to grow and change and evolve and become something new uh, or fresh, you can say. And uh, it's exciting because the books, because of the nature of the book and the like direction and the pitch, basically, because it's like it's Damien and Mortal Kombat. Oh, cool. Um, you get everybody. Like, you get people who are like, I love Damien, of course. Ride or die, Damien, let's do this. And people who are like, eh, Damien, but like that's a neat concept and i would like to see like where it goes because it's not gonna be like i assume based on it being a story that damien won't be like the same person he was when he entered as is the nature of story itself and that's kind of interesting yeah i wanted to i think where he's gonna end the story that that's just the first arc i mean it's like it the way i don't i don't look at the way I look at the Damien book, like Robin, is that even though these first eight issues are, are one story, it's like mm-hmm. not really. I mean, it definitely continues on into next year and the plans we have and beyond. It's like, and I think people will be surprised where he's at by yeah. the time there. Like, and, and some of the pieces that are coming together and the conclusions that he makes as he's going along on this journey, and then the people he surrounds himself with, and you know. Um, yeah, it will get us some yeah. surprises. You know, with Connor Hawk being in the book and kind of the the way Which, they laugh each other. And, it's great. Dude, the the scene Glenn drew is it's so awesome. It's like the first time they because they they've they've met right. Like yeah, actually, you're able to like sit down and talk essentially right. interact. Like, yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes of the book. I think we'll be surprised the way that issue it's issue three the way it plays out and how it impacts the book after that going forward mm. and and the role that Connor plays in the book. Um, and then afterward, you know, so it's like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like the stuff I have planned for the book next year, I see it all as one big arc right. that just happens to get broken up into pieces. So we can sell the trades. <laughs> I don't think wants that to be like, here's this giant tomb of a trade for the first time. So we have to, we have to break them up, but sure. Like he leaves the Island at the end of eight. So it's like, but that doesn't mean the story is over. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's more going on, but he leaves the island near bait. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's fun. To, and then Gleb is just drawing crazy stuff all the time, and he's able yeah. to, to well, because Gleb knows Gleb knows those characters. Like right. he knows all the Robin characters. He knows all these DC characters, and he has his own like thoughts on them. So it's also he puts all that in there, and 
yeah it's been a lot of fun working on the book dude like yeah and i think this is the debut of the new costume right like this was where we saw this new design which has been a hit like i think people really love it so that's exciting too and Gleb has a good sense for those things. I think he has a good sense for like changing stuff up and styles and stuff. And, and and again, like he, you know, Robin changes costumes throughout the book. It's like you have this one. I mean, this is this is the Robin costume for the foreseeable future. Right. But it's, like, he does have different looks throughout the book of like, well, here I'm going to wear this instead, and here I'm going to wear this instead. And it's like, like issue two. I don't think he wears the Robin costume at all. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't wear the Robin costume at all in two. Um, so it's like it is fun to kind of mix stuff up and then you see him put it back on in three and there's like a reason why he puts it back on. So gotcha. it's very much like the, the costume stuff does play in and yeah, it's really fun though. Like, but you I still get know, to play with that. You get to play with I costume changes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's stuff later on and everything, but this is pretty much the Robin costume for the foreseeable future that he'll be wearing and, and the stuff he'll be wearing next year. When we get to do some, yeah, some fun stuff with him. I don't know. Nice. Now, uh, in regards to the trade, you mentioned, you know, it's eight issues. Uh, do you ever like, does that throw a monkey wrench with the, with, 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 with respect to the printing process where they're like, oh, that's eight. Normally it's six. What are you doing? We gotta, we gotta change everything. Hit the stop. <laughs> you know, or is it like, oh no, that's it. We do they have like formats where they're like, oh, it's 10. We can make 10. Like, or is there's definitely a math involved. Right. Um, there's definitely a math involved in, in the pricing of things, the timing of things, and when things come out, when they don't come out. But, you know, when you look at, like, Flash, like, I did a Flash, I have it on here somewhere. The newest Flash trade that just came out is, like, I think it's eight issues in it. Mm. Like, my, my very first Flash trade has nine issues in it. And right. Somebody, I remember I got a call, <laughs> like, really early on, and uh, they were like, you gotta, you gotta cut it down. You gotta cut the art down to six, and I was yeah. like, "No, remember we mapped it out. Like you guys, I, we were all there in that room together. Like we right. all there with a thing, and we were like one, two, three. Because originally my my initial story arc was gonna be twelve, and then we yeah. cut it down, and and then we were like, okay, cool, we figured it out, and and it was once we got the math down, like we all in a room together laid out eight issues, like all of us together. So I can't move that." without messing up the flow that has been presented to me. And so I was able to use that as like, guys, this can't change. Um, and that's, you know, so that's why the first trade is nine issues because it's the rebirth issue plus the first eight issues of the book. Right. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. Well, no, but like, you're not selling the book personally. <laughs> like you're not on the hook for printing the damn thing. I'll get, I get phone calls occasionally about things. Okay. <laughs> but I'm like, come on, like, this is, this is cool. Let's do this. And then, you know, like They're I said, like, I get yeah. very annoying. Cause I'm like, well, here's why. Like I always get into a hole. And I think having that, that first flash trade be the nine issues gave me precedent to be like, Oh, sure. Look, it sold well. Look, look. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I, I, I definitely get a call every once in a while, but we, we talk about it and we figure it out. And then, you know, then it's, then it becomes a math problem that isn't my, my math problem to solve right. that. You know, <laughs> my math problem is more about the story constantly and trying to make in certain ways and stuff. But yeah, six issues. I mean, that's why Infinite Frontier is six issues. But but the trick is with Infinite Frontier is every issue is 30 pages. Right. So it makes it so it's going to be a big... And then we have the secret files, which is like 80 pages long. You're going to slap that in there? It's going to be its own thing? Yeah, it's going to be a big... Well, then you include... like That first Infinite Frontier trade is going to be crazy because it's going to have... 
the six issues that are 30 pages each, plus the secret files, which is six chapters that are 12 pages each. Right. Then it's going to have the 64 page zero issue. There's no way you could put them all in one trade. Thing. How else do you do it? Uh, you put up multiple volumes. No, it's one giant one. <laughs> Good. Frontier. Infinite Frontier is basically all about. Um, I mean, it's about like a mystery. Again, story-wise, it's about right. a mystery universe, and the characters starting to piece together that something's going on. Right. It's like because you have Dark Side kind of behind the scenes messing with stuff, and you start to see really the the beginning and the ramifications of that, and like what he's actually kind of up to. Yeah. And how he he's like silently seeding things in the DCU to make things bad. And, that, and that's kind of what this is about. And you kind of see that like there's a, a human element. There's people in the book that are just like the multiverse is bad and we have to cut it out. Like, you know, th- there's a scene in, in issue one where Bones and uh, I always use this example. It's like Bones and Chase, Cameron Chase, they're talking. And, you know, first he's like, he says to her, he's like, you know, do you remember when things were less weird? around <laughs> like you have a skull for a head and and do you recognize that like nobody in this restaurant right now is reacting to that yeah like you're all news and he's like well you know he's like yeah i don't i don't like that like <laughs> I, uh, that people are used to the weirdness now that's not how it should be and he's like you know the, the world was destroyed and rewritten and beings from another you know multiverse like came and messed with us and and she's just like yeah which which time Right. Like with Lynn, and he's, he's like, like that's the know? problem. He's <laughs> like, that's the problem. We have to figure something out. And so we have this kind of story about like things going on in the multiverse and the characters in the multiverse realizing something is up. Like Dark Side is up to something, plus there's other things going on. And then people on Earth being like, Hey, listen, like this is the way it is. Danger. Well, but the multiverse is a danger and, and we can't you know, so there's also like moves going on here, and so it's I think the closest thing I can compare it to is something like how 52 was. Like 52, they had all these different story threads and then gradually yes. you saw they were one story and they all connect. And so it's it's almost like the first issue is really establishing this kind of mystery right out the gate of like, we've already established the stuff from Dark Side and things growing here. But then it becomes this, it, it's interesting. Like the, it's, a, it's a mystery that you kind of already know who did it. Yeah. But you kind of piece together why they did it. And that becomes right. kind of this whole, this whole thing. And then the whole book, like all six issues are really about placing everything on the table we need to get what we want for next year to do an even bigger story next year. So it really is like, this is the beginning, you know, the countdown for lack of a better phrase is like, this is really the (laughs) countdown to other stuff that's coming. So it's like, we're getting everything on the table and and getting it on a way that kind of breathes. Because part of it was like, I recognize there was a lot of, you know, event fatigue, right? Like event is real. So it's like, I didn't, one of the priorities we had with this was that metal and death metal were these huge like symphonies, right? Like, you know, obviously like Scott would talk about their their concerts, their giant yes. concerts. And so with this, one of the things when we first started talking about it last year, uh, Marie Javins was like, we should do a house show. Like that's what we need. Mm-hmm. We need somebody to do something that is a quieter event, a quieter story, that is much more of a house show, you know, like and a smaller venue. Let's do let's do that. And, and, uh, but then use that to kind of take a little bit of a breather on the big, everything's exploding all the time to kind of ground things a little bit. Yeah. And then stuff starts exploding again. <laughs> of course. So let's get you kind of there. So you get to kind of like bring yourselves back into it, but then also make the book kind of about that. Like the yeah. book is kind of about how it's like bones essentially has 
Bones essentially has event fatigue. Like, Bones <laughs> is like, these things keep happening and they have to stop. Like, this can't, uh, you know, there's a story coming with him in one of the secret files where he's interrogating somebody who died in death metal, but they're alive now. Right. So he's just kind of like, so what happened? Like, he just wants right. to know. And he's talking to them about it. And then they're like, I don't remember anything. But they had turned into a, they turned into a monster. Because that's what happened in Death Metal. Everyone transformed into something else. Right. right. So they transformed into something else. And so he's just like, so what do you remember? Like, you know. Yeah, let, me, let me put, what is it? Yeah, that's, that's actually so, that's so smart. Because you've created an analog character for the audience. Mm-hmm. Who is skeptical of what you're doing. Yeah. Who is on a journey that is inherently destructive uh, if you pull the thread of serialized comic book fiction. Mm-hmm. That's that's a cool idea. I like two. that. So Bones yeah. and Chase are playing different readers. Like you're saying. Right. You know, right. Bones is playing one version. Of, and he's trying to convince her there's a problem. Right. And so what you do, there's a scene where she goes, she goes to interrogate Batman and Superman. And Batman and Superman are like, we filled out the paperwork. It's all fine. Right. Like, Everything is good. We turn in the paperwork. Don't worry. And, and she is just like, no. Saying the Justice League took care of it isn't going to fly anymore. Exactly. Like, this is a problem. You know, she literally, <laughs> there's a part where she's walking with Superman. And this is like me calling myself out. She's walking with Superman in the Hall of Justice. And she's like, is it true you had a prison under here? Like, under the Hall of Justice, you had a full prison. And, and he's just like, keep walking. Just like, he doesn't want to talk. <laughs> he's like, you know, the last time, it was funny. He, they, there's a whole scene where, where she, she's like, she makes a comment to him, and, and he's just like, oh, are we friends? And she's like, I thought everybody was Superman's friend. And oh. he's like, the last time I saw you, you tried to arrest my wife. You know, it's like, it, it, and, and so when she gets in there and she starts asking all these questions, they're like, are we under investigation? And she's like, we just want to know what happened. Right. Like, the world changed. It ended. All these crazy things happened. Somebody, multiple people, rewrote reality multiple times in the last few years. Yeah. People want to know what happened. That's it. Yeah. And and then she's coming to them and it's like, and that's a big part of the book is, and also her journey of trying to understand all these things right. is part of that book. And it's, but there's also President Superman in the multiverse. He gets involved in a mystery um, with a character we haven't, like, there's another, so with Infinite Frontier, you know, we have President Superman, we have uh, Alan Scott and Obsidian and Jade and some of the other, some other JSA characters. You got yeah. Barry involved. Uh, and then we have Roy Harper, and they have Chase and Bones. Like it is this huge cast, and they're all in different parts of the DCU, mm-hmm. and we get to see the DCU from all their point of views. And then we slowly see them come together uh, once they start piecing together. Like, oh, this something very bad is happening. Right. And superheroes don't necessarily know about it because of them. It's like old news. Like this is like, <laughs> oh, bad is happening. It's, yeah. Two Wednesday. It's fine, you know. But so they're mm-hmm. starting to piece together this thing, and they all kind of start interlocking with each other. But there's another character we haven't shown yet that's like a major part of the story that I think will start making people go, oh, that's what this is really about. Um, and I think we're revealing that in like two weeks. I think we're going cool. gonna, gonna to show people. Because it's in the preview. It's in the first couple of pages. It's so... But it becomes this thing of like, why is that character here and what happened and, and where did they come from? Um, yeah. So we're going to play with that. And then we'll play with a lot of multiverse shenanigans in the book. But for me, it was about... Again, it's like how 52 was. I think 52 had a certain kind of pacing to it, and it totally. allowed you to see the DCU from different points of view that weren't Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman. But yeah, with that book, I mean, 
yeah, it's going to set the table for a lot of other stuff. Like, I think people a year from now are going to be like, when did that happen? Oh, it happened in that book. And, and you're going to start seeing these things. And, and again, like, President Superman will play a bigger role in DCU. And this is really about getting him kind of, like, edging into those roles. Like, I didn't want to just throw some of these characters at people. I wanted to kind of reintroduce them. And that's why we did the Secret Files, where it was like, we did a President Superman Secret File. that was like, this is who this person is. And yeah. then we just ease you into the stories. I mean, I have this giant whiteboard in my office back here that has, like, all of... It's on the other side of the camera. Smart. That, that has... Oh, I know. Could you imagine what's behind me one day? By I know, day. right? You would, with a quick screen grab, you basically would know all of DC's plans for, like, two years. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, okay. Because, uh, yeah, I have back here, I have, like, the Infinite Frontier plan, and then I have, like, the 2022 plan beneath it, and it's just, oh, like, this whole... How it all interlocks with each other. It's on the other side here. So every once in a while I have to look up and be like, what am I doing again? Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, but there's all the, there's all kinds of cool stuff coming with this this book. I mean, I think it will really surprise people that it is like this kind of, it is an event book, but it's much more of a mystery, right? Yeah. It's much more, we're trying to lay these, this stuff out to get you in this place where then by the ending, you're going to be like, holy shit. Like that's right. huge. And that is going to definitely impact DC moving forward in a lot of ways. And then once all these characters go through this journey, together and then when we splinter them back out into the dcu like once the story is over and everybody goes their separate ways then it's going to start ping-ponging around the dcu and start changing things around and then we'll get a bunch of books to spin out of it in the end and you know they'll start seeing how this impact hits and then it'll all come back again next year all this stuff exactly. will come around. but that's what this is really the beginning it's like this the beginning of like a countdown to something bigger that's what infinite frontier the six issues are very but exciting man that's yeah, that's it, very cool it's well, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. I think the stuff we're doing in there is going to be uh, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun to show the DCU from different points of view. I mean, you look at how like JSA was. Yeah. Like when Jeff was doing JSA, he was showing you this particular part of the DCU in a more in a different way than JLA was. Right. Totally. It was a little more grounded in places, and so that's what I was trying to do here was make something like that that is a little more just grounded in places. But again, I want to show you a post event DCU. Yeah. You know, like that's really what it's about is that it's like not only the characters in the story, but like people on the street were affected. There, there's a scene where they talk about it. They're just like, Oh yeah. Like the Batman who last came and like destroyed <laughs> the world. And you're like, well, who's the Batman who last? Like, right. <laughs> you know, it's like some people remember and some people don't. It's, it's an interesting thing of, of what is, what is life like in the DCU post a giant, event like and yeah a lot of events in a row right all of them rewriting reality like what do people on the street think about that and the idea that like the multiverse is real because you imagine you live in the dcu what are you knowing what do you look up in the sky and it's red skies one day yep and you look in the sky and there's like multiple earths and you're like what <sighs> what is that like and i wanted to show that along yeah. with showing superhero stuff i wanted characters to be like do you remember that time there was red skies and be like yeah what was that about right you know like, that time i had all these all this goth outfit on. i looked like an snm bondage guy <laughs> and the world was a big wasteland and my my grandmother got unmade and like one reality i have cousins the other one i don't i don't know what's happening i don't know what ends up but all i know is you know it's tuesday <laughs> that's what yeah that's the part of the story is people being that's like, kind of fun the people don't believe it right know, like no the multiverse isn't real like that's yeah. a part of the story and i love that that's that's always been one of my favorite aspects of another universe we won't refer to where you know it's like if a big purple monster showed up and was like i'm gonna eat everything it's like how many people would be like fake 
Oh yeah. Well, look at. I mean, you can talk about Marvels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Marvel fan. This I know. I know. Marvel stuff. I got this yeah. giant toy right here. This was pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah, it was good. I actually texted Donnie when I got it because I put the I put the old man Thanos head on there. Yeah. Uh-huh. I posted it to, uh, and I sent Donnie a text when I got it, and he was like, "Oh, that's real," and I'm like, "Hell yeah, it's real. It's cool." Can you believe uh, there's like, no null figure? What's that? Can you believe there's no null figure? By the way. Dude, I was I was texting about that when when I got this one. Yeah, I was like, I feel like like normally the Marvel is so ahead on that kind on of top stuff. of that shit, but no null, no null figure. Yeah, I don't, I, I, it's a matter of time. Yeah, it's right. Time. It's probably, yeah. I think right now the wave. If you want to get into a whole Marvel Legends conversation, I think the whole <laughs> Marvel priority right now is clearly the TV shows. Like that's the wave. That whole thing is just Disney Plus shows. Yeah, but dude, I think like. I am so impressed by Marvel's ability of how they roll things out, like in terms of this giant tapestry. Like the fact that um, spoilers for Falcon Winter Soldier, you know, right. it's like Captain America Winter Soldier, right? It's like, yeah, you know, Friday morning, they're like, here's the episode, boom. That day, they're like, check out all this cool shit. All this art comes out. Like all of a sudden, it's all about, you know, Sam's Captain America. And then Monday morning, they're just like, and here's the toys. You can order them now. <laughs> like that's that's the way to do it i feel like that that stuff makes me like so excited where i'm like that's the kind of coordination that i i, I love and marvel does that really well and they i do. think you know this last couple of months they clearly are like i mean they were probably waiting too because also the loki toys in that set and yep. all the vision toys are in there and they were probably just waiting and the moment that falcon stuff hit where he was captain america they were just like, okay great here's all the toys yeah <laughs> All the toys you can order them right now. Here's a hot toy too, you know. Sideshow yeah. is probably oh, thank God here we can finally show this cool thing. You know, it's three hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nine hundred dollars. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Mitch was talking about because Mitch gets a lot of hot toys like Mitch Oh Arts, God, right? Yeah. And so he, he ordered it that day, and I felt I felt slightly shamed because I was looking at the Marvel Legend, being like, I might get that Marvel Legend, and I might just buy them all that way and get the wings. Yeah figure wing thing so i'm like i might just get them all and then mission this whole thing about like those toys are so cheap look at this beautiful hot toy. <laughs> like, all this, like, like oh i'm like how much is it how much is it if it's 100 if it's 120 maybe but if it gets no, up to a point he's like it's like three <laughs> like you know. I know. well i have the only hot toy i have is i have the batman um 89 it's <sighs> weird. 89 hot toy it's right here but it's the uh it's the batman returns logo so it's the, oh. what I call the correct logo. Yeah, and it is the correct logo. <laughs> like it has a little bit of snow at the bottom, so really it's more of a like '89 and Returns Batman. But yes, uh, yeah, it has the in the package they don't say it's Batman Returns; they say it's like Batman '89 or whatever. But it has the interesting. Uh, it has the correct logo, dude. In the DC building, when you go into the actual DC offices, they have in one of the hallways they have a, a huge uh, Batman, and it's it's the costume. It's like oh, one of the news. Yeah. And every time I walk by it, I'm like, man, this is so cool. But this fucking logo, because it's the logo from 89. I know. Your... Yeah. What's funny is like sometimes I'll go through and I'll, I'll, I i can't remember who it was. I think it, it might have been Tom. Like Tom King and I were walking through there one day and I was like, man, this is, we both were like, this is so cool. But I was like, man, this stupid thing. And he was like, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, dude. <laughs> like that little extra whoop. That's a little thing like and uh yeah it has a little extra thing and he was like i have never noticed never that noticed it oh dude that's you don't see it until you see it i think yeah. i think I, once you see it, it's there forever 
as a kid, I like as a child, a child who wasn't old enough to see Batman eighty nine. I was like, "What? Why do they fuck up the logo?" <laughs> yeah, like the marketing, the marketing for the movie is the logo, and then you see Batman; he's wearing a different logo. I'm like, "What? Did, what is that?" And you know what that is? Hollywood, baby. That is just Hollywood yeah. going. Let me put my little spin on it. Little, little thing. Have, like I was at a panel one time where Del Toro was talking about making Hellboy, right? And he was talking about how he was at this one particular studio, and and they were like, "Can you make? He make Hellboy so he's human." And then he only turns into Hellboy when he's angry. <laughs> That's the whole. And he said this thing, and I and I think about this ever since then. He said it because it is true. I apologize to Hollywood, but in my experience, it's true. He was like, they always want to, they always want to stick their dick in it. That was what right. he said. Like, and I, like they they, they can't help themselves. Like they got yes, they got it, and it's. It's yep. fascinating. You can tell when they when the, you're if you're having a conversation with somebody and, and they're they're pitching you or you're pitching them and you're going you're like, to you know when they're just like they gotta they gotta throw something in there. They yeah, have to. put my little thing in there. Well, that way they can point at it and say that was me, right there. Yeah, that's yeah, my signature. That to the table. I mean, I get that too. Like, even in comics, there are times where it's like, um, how do I put this? So a lot of us creators, we all talk to each other about a lot mm-hmm. of stuff, and. Um, there are times where, like, you know, how do I put this? We share ideas with each other. Yes. And so there's times where something will become really popular. Like, recently, it was a character that was introduced that was popular and it sold well. I named that character. Uh, but it's not a book that I'm working on. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> sometimes you're like, I'm glad that worked out. Does anybody like, know that I did that? <laughs> yeah. You know, but we do that. To be, we all share ideas with each other when we joke around. There's a scene in, in a, there's a, there is one scene in Tom's Batman run. Um, that uh, we were at a bar. We were at a bar talking about the scene, and he had it completely different. It was drastically different. And I was like, "No, man, that's not how that would play out. That play out like this." And I told him like beat for beat how it would play out. Like it yeah. was drastically different from what he was planning. And then that scene is in Batman. It's in right. He just did it. <laughs> he did it. He did the exact scene I told him. He's like, "Well, you told me that was the way it would go, and I can't argue yeah, with that." People like that scene. I'm always like. That was my scene. Uh, but then, but there's times where the stuff that I do that there was stuff in Flash that obviously I got advice from people or talking to of people. Course. And, you know, I, I remember when I was working on the Gorilla Grodd arc in Flash, I talked to Scott about that one a lot because um, I was stuck on something with it, and, and I called him at like midnight and we talked it out. So it's sometimes, you know, instead of him like talking to him about metal and death metal and All Star Batman, like mostly metal and death metal though, we would talk about all kinds of ideas. And so we definitely like share stuff with each other, but it is kind sure. of funny. It was like you do poke, poke it, and then you later on you want to be like, "Yeah, I named that." Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy who fucked up Batman's logo. I'm the worst. Oh, that movie looks really weird. Out there, it's just like, oh man. Right. Yeah. That was my yeah. vision. Yeah, that's my vision. I changed yeah, it. They wanted it to be, and then it got all and it got all messed up after that. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But yeah, yeah, Infinite Frontier. I'm I'm curious to see what people are gonna think about it because uh, you know we're gonna have it ready to show people in like a week or so, and then you know, it's out for the end of June. And it's like it is definitely a quieter story than a lot of stuff. But I I wanted to tell something that was a little more character based. I mean, there's there are moments in things like Identity Crisis that are, are the quieter moments that are just with the yes. characters, you know. And I wanted to kind of explore that, and and we haven't seen a lot of these characters. Like you haven't really seen. Alan Scott and uh, Obsidian and Jade. You haven't really seen President Superman, and, and Roy Harper's been dead for like three years. Yeah, uh, 
and you know obviously barry pays a big part of it um i mean barry's really about like how do i put this without spoiling things barry's role in it is crucial like he plays a really big part but it's more about what happens at the ending with him that will then catapult us to other stuff so it's like gotcha. you know uh and obviously i've written a lot of barry it's yeah. weird how Came, like originally when we first started time with Barry wasn't gonna be that big a part of it and then it was like they were like oh we want Barry to go explore the multiverse and I was like done I'll take him let's go <laughs> I kind of wanted to take I wanted to take Wally but it was tough I think I, thought I told you before I don't want to be selfish because it was like I wanted to take Wally but Wally had an opportunity to basically run the book like to yeah. have his book so I'm like all right fine like yeah Wally can stay in his book. It's his turn. He earned it. Let me take Barry over here. And then Barry will be an infinite frontier. And then, but then it ended up like, it, it kind of, it was weird. Like once Barry got into the story and once I figured out what, what I was going to do with it and how it was going to impact the stuff next year, it was like, Oh, it always had to be Barry. It couldn't right. be, you know, it's like yeah. Barry's role as somebody who, you know, he's the first person to cross over. I mean, he was yeah. the first person to jump from multiverse, like from world to world in the multiverse that it made me be like, oh, it had to be, it had to be him. Right. Like he's the one. I mean, there's a scene where a character literally says to him, like, this all started because of you. <laughs> like, there'd be no repercussions of you jumping from world to world back then, you know? So that's like part of the story going forward. You'll see. Like, he, he's interesting. He only has a few pages each issue, but it all is getting him to a very particular place so that it blows up and becomes nice. a big thing. I think what's, I, I'm really curious because I'm not holding anyone's hands with this. Like, right. I'm not, there's no captions in any of it, so I'm not like really trying to explain it to you. But I, I'm really curious to see what people are going to think when they uh, when they start getting and they see the mystery. Like by the time we get to issue three, the mystery is us. Like the characters start to meet each other for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and then the mystery starts to kind of make characters kind of collide with each other. Yeah, so I'm curious if people are going to by the time like what they're going to think, like how you're going to see this story kind of start to fold together. If you're going to be like. This is ran- like it, it might even feel like an anthology at one point. It's mm. gonna feel a little bit like they're so separate, and then by the time you get to two, you're gonna be like, "Oh no!" And then three, it's like, "Oh, this is really, it's really coalescing." That's yeah. dope. I, I think that's what people are hungry for. I think that especially for people who are like strong vocal critics uh, of of DC, this is what they've been hungry for. Uh, at least from the pitch. I mean, like I'll have to read it. I mean, zero was fun, so we'll see how one mm-hmm. goes. But like, I think that's what they're looking for. I think because uh, you know, whenever anybody is like, ah, DC, you know, what, what are they talking about? Their favorite book? It's fifty two. It's always like you know, it's about a bunch of quiet characters who are trying to solve a mystery, who are like who are background characters. They're sub, they're, you know, they're subservient to the big three and it's like here they are and they're standing and they're figuring it out yes we talk about this a lot that it's like i think one of the things i find exciting about dc this year and this this next year and some of the plans we have for next year is that like i love those characters i love batman superman and wonder woman and yeah but there are times where the characters around them can be more interesting at times but what they do is is that they provide you a point of view of that character you love of their universe right like every once in a while when you're reading superman you might have like a lois issue it's about lois but really it's about superman or you know what i mean it's like it's about really about superman like Mm -hmm. those things are always fun to do and i think the dc it the dcu is so wide and i want to see some of these stories from those points of view we haven't normally seen like let's see some of these event type things that are coming and show them from a point of view we haven't seen over and over because they're they're used to it in a way right like yeah. like you were saying it's like 
if you're using the Marvel as an example, right? Like, if Galactus shows up one day in New York, Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, all of them are just like, you know, I've seen this guy. Like, right. He's <laughs> not impressive anymore. You're not like, you're not like, oh my God. Yeah. But what about when Miles saw him for the first time? Right. You know, it's like, Miles sees Galactus like, what the, what is this? Like, yeah. I think that is something that maybe we're missing in some places. And I mm-hmm. want to get back to that. I want to have a sense of awe of the DCU and the way you can do that is by introducing new stuff, but also introducing characters who then get to see it for the first time. Like, you know, Tim, like, I, I think when, when I first started reading DC, you know, it's like, it was post crisis and I yep. wasn't like as hooked, but I got hooked around the early nineties, like probably around 90, like right on 90. Um, I was already That's getting yeah, it was good. And then 92 was when I was like, okay, I guess I'm addicted to this. Yep. <laughs> uh, but part of that was because of all these new characters. So it's like, I got to see, you know, if you go back and look at Detective. Detective, um, at the time when Tim Drake was introduced, I mean, it was his point of view. I mean, yeah. you, you followed Tim around, uh, especially during that initial story with him. Mm-hmm. That allowed me as a kid to be reintroduced to Batman through Tim's eyes. Yeah. And you know, when you look at like the Superman, when, when Superman died and we got to see kind of the mythology of Superman change. And then there were four different Superman characters and we got to see kind of his world through the four of Superman. Then you got Connor, who's a kid who's also being brought into this. And then, you know, then Hal goes, goes crazy. <laughs> you get Kyle. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle, uh, you know, is able to come in and is brand new to us as an audience, but also is brand new to the, everything about being a Green Lantern. Everything about right. the whole mythology is brand new to him. Yeah, and so I get to go on the journey with him, and get to see how awesome Green Lanterns are, and and it doesn't, it doesn't negate what came before, right? Like they were able to pull it in. I mean, I know there were people mad that what happened with Hal, but <laughs> it allowed you to kind of bring it in, and we got back to it. You know, it took took ten years. Well, and like what's funny <laughs> is that like Mars is like there's like three or four different story arcs in which we remind you, yeah, like Hal was great but Kyle's Green Lantern now. Like, at least three different story arcs, including a Silver Surfer crossover and an Alien crossover, where we're like, hey, Kyle's it now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but, you know, so I, I think that I think that is fun to do, and it allows you to honor what was coming before, exactly. but it's from the point of view. Yeah. And, and I think and that's the stuff I always really like. And again, like, you know, Wally's great example of that is we got to see Wally's journey. Of yes. Being and then once you introduce Bart into the equation, you get to see okay. another point of view from a new character. And then in a way it makes it more accessible because you're able to just be like, I mean, X-Men did the same thing, right? Yep. Cause you would have the new X-Men characters get introduced and then you get Kitty pride. Yeah. And then you get, well, I think it was rogue and then Kitty pride and then Jubilee. Mm-hmm. Like they have a history of like introducing and they all become friends with Wolverine for some reason, but it's yeah. like <laughs> introducing these characters and they use that as a, a way of like bringing you as a reader back in. Yeah. They don't change. They don't like radically change the mythology of the character or those characters. They just give you another opportunity to see it from a new angle. Yep. And that's, I think that's the stuff that we're doing now. And that's the stuff about Inferno Frontier was, it was like, let me take a bunch of characters and show the DCU post event, post all this crazy stuff from their points of view. And that's a big part of the stuff even next year is like talking about that, about some of the bigger, things we have planned for next year, that is a major part of the conversation is like, yeah. how do we show that from a different point of view 
and, and that's like you said, like the T two. One reason why T two worked was it was the DCU from those characters' points of view. I mean, you look at yeah, I I I always find that really interesting. I mean, when you look at something like um, Infinite Crisis, for example, yeah. um, Infinite Crisis is mostly from the point of view of the Crisis characters. You know, it's right. from Super Prime and Alexander and Superman and Lois. There's stuff in there like Power Girl and Connor takes on a role, and obviously Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman are a big part. But really, I mean, literally that first issue is you're seeing what they're seeing. Exactly. And they're, they're commenting on it. It's such an interesting like way of bringing you in, but bringing you in because it tells you something about where DCU was at the time. It yep. tells you about who those four characters are, even though we haven't seen those four characters in 20 years. Right. Like it was an interesting way of kind of bringing you in. And I, I find this stuff really cool. And I think people like it. I think that's what people want. They want to be able to like, they don't want us to completely wreck their favorite characters. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in either, you know? So it's like, uh-huh. but I think you can kind of mix things up and tell a story with them. Yeah. I think you're right, and I'm excited to see it. And I'm sure everyone else is as well. Or if they are, if they haven't already heard, they should be because this is uh, a yeah, yeah pre-order. Yeah, pre-order Infinite Frontier, and I think you'll be excited to see what it is and where it's going. Yes, uh, good. I like that you, you subtly pre-order it too because it tells people that you want it. And yes, it's the only way to yeah. do it. And because I mean, if you talk to your comic store about it, I think it helps them just know that people are actually interested in it. Yes, yeah, that's all. That's a good point. Like, because you well, you worked in a comic store, you know, like how they get their information. Yeah, I mean, you get a little bit from the internet, from from different websites and from Twitter. But I mean, really, the main thing is if somebody asks for it, that's the quickest way for them to be like, "Oh, this is something," you know. And it's like, yeah, I think right now with retailers, it's still a hard time. Like, we're still in the pandemic. Like, we're coming out of it in some ways, but it's like whatever you need to help retailers get like stay on their footing you know like a lot of them man i mean like you can tell retailers really went through hell this last year and it's like they you know they're really tough and they made it work and they were really inventive to try to find ways to make it work so whatever you do to help them and whatever you do to like basically give them information it's like i don't know if if you really like your comic store you should tell them what you like and and try to you know, and it helps us out too because then we kind of figure things out of what you're actually interested in. Because it, at the end of the day, the thing we look at are those are those sales numbers. Just yeah, you know, it's like all the other stuff is great and cool. Um, there was a thing. This is a weird tangent to end on. <laughs> there, was a, there was a thing a few years ago. There was a DC book that people were bashing, and we would see it online. People would bash it, and then we would look at the sales and we're like, holy crap this thing is selling like crazy yeah what's going on so then i'm like all right i'm gonna go look what's the number one reviewed book like at this time i looked at what the number one reviewed book was in all comics and i looked at it and i was like okay how much did that book sell that month the same month and i was able to do some research and i found it and it sold 750 copies oh my god and i was like (laughs) i mean that stuff matters but it matters in different ways but yes Thing that we definitely look at when you're talking about people getting paid and jobs and, and all that the thing we look at is, is those sales. sales so it's like you know if there's a book you love you know i'm not saying you should go out and buy 10 copies of it but you should no i, I think that, why not <laughs> but you should definitely talk about it you know talk about it and tell your retailer this is something i really like and 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 explain why you like it or whatever and just engage and have fun and then try to you know it helps your book out it definitely yeah. helps your because if you love a book, if you really love this book, any book you're reading, and you don't talk about it or you don't tell the retailer, like, hey, I want to subscribe to this on a regular basis, yeah. they don't really know. And you, 
you know, that you might show up one day and they weren't ordered two copies of it. You know, that sucks. That happened to me a few times. I've had moments where, like, I forgot to pre-order something. I walk into a comic book store and I'm like, oh, damn it. Like, there's yep. like, one of the shops I used to go to that was the closest to me. They would sell out of stuff on Wednesday all the time because they were mm-hmm. they were a, mostly a subscriber store. Like, they had, like, one of those walls of boxes, you know, yep. of subscribers. And that was, like, the location for most of the subscribers in Portland would always use this one location. And so for them, they weren't as concerned about shelf copies. They were concerned about the, the boxes. Mm. I would come in and they'd be out of stuff like Wednesday first thing and I'd be like damn it <laughs> you know like uh, when Vision number one came out um, I read a preview of it and so I wanted to to get it and so I didn't pre-order it like a dummy and I show up and they were sold out of it but they had like issue one they had for 10 bucks and so I bought that they had it as a variant and so I bought that variant uh, just because I wanted to read it yeah um, you know I, I didn't know Tom at the time like we hadn't met um, now I would just call Tom and be like, send me a PDF. <laughs> <laughs> I just text him. Like I've read Supergirl number one already. And it's great. Oh, it's really I gotta good. get that. When does it come it's out? Really Do you good. know? Uh, it comes out in June. Yeah. It's like oh. June. FOC is Sunday. That's, that's how I know. Uh, but I read it a few weeks ago. It's, I think it's like one of the best things Tom's done for DC. Oh, well, great. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I don't know. He, he, it's, it's a really interesting thing. I think that it'll be a cool book when it, cause it's only eight issues long. It's a, oh, it's really? a series. Yeah. It's just a mini. So I think once it's collected, I think we'll, we'll see like, it's a, it's a good Supergirl story. Like it's, sweet. It's, it's just real good. But yeah. FOC for uh, infinite frontier isn't until the end of the month. It was the 27th. So, so you got some time. To, yeah. You're going to see like, not this week, probably starting next week. You're going to see me just like a crazy person, just showing art, showing stuff, teasing stuff. I'm going to spoil some shit because I just gotta, just like, gotta get it. I want to get out there and be like, look at this cool thing. Look at this person. This person's in the book. Oh man, but you know, this was happening and, and yeah. just getting and stuff. It'll be uh, really interesting. The, 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 the line of trying to promote a book without spoiling it. Yes. It's yeah. Cause at what point are they like, well, you know, I'm good. <laughs> I heard what happens in the issue. I'm good. Yeah. Well, I think that was part of the problem we had with Batman Superman was that originally it was planned. We weren't going to tell anybody who Batman and laugh had affected. We weren't going to tell anybody. It was going to be like a surprise as we were reading. And then they decided we're going to tell you all of it. When I was doing um, Justice League versus Suicide Squad, we spent, when we were in, we spent like three days in a room in Burbank, a bunch of editors, me, Steve Orlando was there because he was going to do JLA. I have pictures of it, this whiteboard of every villain that had not been used since New 52. We had this huge wall of villains. And then it was a group of villains that we have used. So it was like a weird mix. And it was just like, okay, who has plans for what? Who are we not messing with? Who can we do here? Who would we do there? What is the running theme? And trying to figure this whole thing out. So we spent days and days and days and days on this. Yeah. And we finally figured out the crew and we're all like, cool. I remember uh, there was one, they didn't want us to use Lobo. Like me and Steve Orlando were like, we should make Lobo one of the villains, and and we should bring back the original Lobo. And yeah. Where he's been, and, and they were like, eh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. We don't want to do that. So they picked another character. They were like, well, let's not use Lobo. Let's use this character. And I was like, all right, fine. That's a bummer because I think Lobo would be really cool. But fine, whatever. I go home, and then on Friday I get a call, and they're like, actually, it was funny because the editor called me. And he was like, well, I got I got bad news. You got to use Lobo. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to use Lobo. So, um, but then like a month after that, I get a call and they're just like, we're going to reveal everybody, all the villains that, that show up at the end. And I'm like, that is the whole ending. Yeah. Like 
And I couldn't even convince him not to use Max Lord because Max Lord is like the big ending villain. Yeah. And I was like, hide Max Lord maybe? And they were like, no, we're going to reveal all of it. And I was like, oh my God. You know, so it's it's tough sometimes. But at the same time, like there's, you know, there's a belief among some people I don't agree that spoilers don't hurt sales. And like, yeah. I don't agree. I think you look at the way, what I say anytime, anytime, especially the last couple of months, Anytime somebody would say that to me, here's what I would ask him. I'd be like, you know, I have a friend that works on WandaVision, and I could tell you the ending to WandaVision right, right now if you want. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. I'm like, oh, 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 so that that means something to you now. Like, right. you, you don't want me to spoil the end of this thing. Interesting, interesting, because it means something. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I do think spoilers matter. I, I think there's right. a way of pulling them out in a way that's fun there's a way of doing it that you can roll them out a little bit and tease them without giving it away completely. Yes. And then you won't be able to experience it when they read it. That's part of the enjoyment of it. If they get yeah. to the end, they know the ending. That sucks. It like completely. that. Yeah. It totally takes, I think it takes some of like, you know, I don't know. Well, as we were talking about invincible, it's like, I know with invincible, they change things around a bit. And then that was smart because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So if you're a new audience, you don't recognize it's different, but if you're someone like me who read that when it was coming out, it gives me a little like, well, I think I know what's coming. And then, you move things around on me a little yes. bit. Like I think that, I think that stuff is is fun. But I don't know. I think we need more. We need more surprises. I agree. We're all, yeah, we're all pretty used to what we think comics are, and so surprises are rare and hard to come by. But if you can pull them off, I think it's. I think it's yeah. like the way to go. I think it's really people cool. remember the surprise sometimes more than like any other aspect of the story oh, if they, if they Thunder, are properly surprised. Thunderbolts went over a hundred issues because the landing of issue one. That's right. <laughs> like I love that book. I read it the whole time. It was one of my favorite comics. But that ending to issue one, I remember reading it as a kid and getting the last page and being like, "What?" Like it yes. blew my mind. And and I think if we can pull off stuff like that now, I <sighs> that that rush. I don't know. Like me as a creator, I feel like that rush of being able to do that. And we yeah. talk about that. Like there's stuff coming that we're trying to keep. We're trying to keep under wraps. Well, like Robin dying at the end of issue one was something. Yeah. Get leaked, you know. So it's like things like that. We try to not give it away. Well, like that with the solicits, like the solicits on Robin are kind of misleading on purpose. Same thing with Infinite Frontier. Like mm. they're we, I, I either write them or I make sure I read them before they go out, so I can kind of like tweak them because I don't want the solicits to necessarily give anything away. But I also recognize these these solicits are also kind of part of the experience of reading the book. Because yes. it gives you an expectation. It's almost like a little mini trailer, right? So it's like, it gives you a little bit of a taste, but if I can play with that expectation that you now have because of the solicit, that's that's the way to go. And so that's, yeah. that's why, like, yeah, yeah. The solicits are, a lot of times on my book, solicits are misleading on purpose. And I, it's <laughs> funny, though, because I see people get, like, kind of frustrated. They'll read them, and they're like, oh, I can't believe this thing's going to happen. And I'm like, oh, just read the book. Whoop. Just read the book. You'll see. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I should let you go. I gotta write comic books. Yeah, comic books, comic books, man. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure to pre-order Infinite Frontier if you are up a mind. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you guys next time with another episode. Josh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming oh, on, man. Fun. Thank you so much.